Ralph is on the run to fun and danger. This week on the podcast, Runaway Ralph by Beverly Cleary. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up Bookish. That's the podcast where we read books we used to love, see if we still love them, or if we hate them, or if they're lame. (laughs) I'm one of your hosts, Emma. I'm your other host, Allison. This week, we're reading one of Emma's picks. What is it, Emma? It's Runaway Ralph. By Beverly Cleary, and it's actually the second one in the series. Yes, I chose the second one because I have a picture of myself from 1991. There I am, dating myself, reading this book. So That picture will be posted on our uh, <laughs> Instagram and website, so oh growing up bookish for both, make sure to check out Vintage Emma. Yeah, it's kind of scary, sorry. <laughs> no, it's great. What do you mean it's great? <laughs> I'm going to also preface this episode. I always had a hard time pronouncing her last name growing up. Cleary? Yes, because I wanted to say Beverly Clary. So if I mispronounce it, I'm so sorry. You know what? It could be Beverly Clary, and I wouldn't know. I didn't look it up. In my trivia scrounging, I did not look that up. It's too bad. (laughs) I'm like, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it. So I'm pretty sure that we all know Beverly Clary. We had to read her in school. Um, I never read her in school. Really? Mm -mm. I think we... I always thought was it like Dear Mr. Henshaw or something? That was the Which one I never that, read. That one. I never read that one either. But that's the one that I think is like. I didn't the, like the cover of it. It bored me. Yeah, it did look. I boring. think I had to read Ramona. I remember watching no. a video of Ramona. There was a Ramona TV show. Yeah, but I, I watched that at home. That wasn't a school assignment. They they played that movie for mm-hmm. us. Maybe we didn't read it, but you know, on a rainy day when they were trying to occupy children, they threw that at us. But so anyway, yeah. I feel like most people know about her. Maybe some of the things that you didn't know is that she didn't actually take to reading when she was younger and didn't learn to read until she was in the second grade. Okay, so you th- don't that's to, all right. I mean, yeah, I feel like artistic savants usually <laughs> kind of mature later. Yeah, you don't have to be a good reader to be a good writer. You just have to be a great storyteller, that's all. That's, that's true. And let's see, later on she graduated with a bachelor's degree from Berkeley and finished her studies to become a librarian. She never used outlines when she wrote, which sounds terrifying to me. It is a little. I'm an outline writer for sure, and I can't do it any other way. I I just, I don't even know how she's capable of that other than that. She's extremely talented. They call those people (laughs) pantsers. Pantsers? Yeah, like flying by the seat of your pants. Oh, okay. (laughs) So there's actually a really good book I read, uh... That was about outlining, and it's called Take Off Your Pants. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, about not being a pantser. Just go for it. Yeah, just, but I mean, hey, if she can do that, cool. Yeah. Clearly she can. She can. The first book in the series, Mouse on the Motorcycle, was published in 1965. This book was published in 1970, which I think is pretty awesome about pretty how timeless old. it is. Yeah, it is timeless. It doesn't really have very many things that are dated, Mm-mm. I guess. And then when the illustrator for the series submitted her work, Cleary told her that the mouse ears were too big and that she needed a mouse model. So the (laughs) illustrator adopted a baby mouse from outside, and that mouse became her pet and lived a short little lifespan in her studio. Now I'm going to look at the picture. Oh, I mean, it does. he does have cute little ears. Not like Mickey Mouse ears. They were probably drawing like Mickey Mouse. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And then also, in 1988, ABC Weekend Specials ran this as a live-action movie type of thing. This? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, with a real mouse? No. Oh. That part was uh, stop-motion animation. Oh. Which is so cool. I bet that's really cool. Yeah. But um, you can find... I couldn't find the whole thing on YouTube. You can find clips of it, but it starred Fred Savage as Garf. Mm. And they do have a really cool behind-the-scenes video of how they did the stop motion animation, but it does start out with like two shirtless guys. <laughs> so first, all right, like, you're selling me. F- no, you're selling me. No, these are like shirtless guys from the '80s. Did they have '80s mustaches? I think one of them did. Sweet. No, no, but it's a good film. Just I don't know if you want to watch it at work. People might walk by and be like, "What are you doing watching shirtless men?" <laughs> I, I have no shame. It's fine. Okay, everything's fine. <laughs> So those are so the, those are the little information, little trivia things I picked up for this book. Well, that's pretty cool. Not I'm bad. most I'm most interested in watching stop motion mice, so I'm gonna go <laughs> check that out yeah. when I get home. I can't imagine Fred Savage's Garf though, because Garf's such a like sullen character. Fred Savage, I guess he was sullen in Princess Bride. He was the kissing parts. <sighs> Is this a kissing <laughs> book? <laughs> I don't know. I just. 
don't think of them that way, but whatever. On to the story. On to the story. As far as what I expected going into this, it's a story about a mouse. And so I didn't expect a lot, but I will say that I was actually pleasantly surprised at how realistic her descriptions of mouse life were. And what I mean by that is like, she thought pretty long and hard about what it would be like to live as a mouse. And the way that she described it, I really felt like I was a mouse. Yeah. And I thought it would, the descriptions were amazing. Yeah. But going in, I was like, ugh, it's about like animals that talk. <laughs> like, I'm really not into that. I'm actually not either, but I'm telling you, there is something about mice that I just adore. I, I didn't wanna... like their uh, slander on cats. We'll get into that. We will. We will get we into will. that. We will. Chapter one's called Ralph Hears a Distant Bugle. Yeah, so when we start out with this, we get a nice little recap from the first book. She doesn't go too much into detail about what happened, which I appreciate. But it gave, it gave me something to go on because I hadn't read the first one at all. And I don't know if you I, did. I did, but I you don't remember re- it. I don't remember it at all. I was able to get it, though. Right. He obviously lives in an inn and met a boy that lived there who gave him a toy motorcycle that now he thinks is real because he's a delusional mouse. <laughs> but that's okay. He thinks it's real. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. It's just the magic. So he rides a motorcycle and he has a ping pong ball helmet. I appreciated that detail, yeah. too. So, yeah, we have a mother and father enter with their son. That's Garf. That's Garf. He's wearing... Short for Garfield. Is, is he wearing the camp shirt at that time? Maybe. I think so. I think that's how Ralph knows that he's going to camp. And they're also talking about it, too. Yeah. And they we have, hear, like, a conversation. Yeah, we hear the distant... The taps. Bugle, bugle in the back. Yep. So, my question to you is, like, did you ever go to summer camp? No. Yeah. I always wanted to. But I never got to Even, go. like, with band? You didn't go to, like, band no. camp No. Well, band camp is different than what people think it is. We don't, like, go stay in a cabin. Like, band camp is just, like, spend your weekends at school playing <laughs> really? instruments. No, oh. there is no... They call it band camp, but there, in my case, there was no camp. Mm. We don't go away somewhere. We just go to school and practice all day. Oh, so it wasn't that exciting. That wasn't fun at all. No, not there at all. There was no best friendship bracelet making No, although I or... feel like it might be different for other schools because when you think of like the whole like infamous American Pie, like one time at band camp, oh, I'm yeah, like, yeah. well, I don't know how they have time to do all that. <laughs> I had no spare time when I was at band camp. Too busy. <laughs> it, doesn't, it sounds like a punishment. Yeah, it kind of was. Oh. Yeah. So some of my notes from this chapter is he is very, Ralph is very preoccupied with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah, he's obsessed. It's his favorite food, clearly. And I wrote, he mentions peanut butter and jelly sandwiches no less than five times this chapter. He counted. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I started counting. I don't know if I kept counting, but it was a lot of times. And he's he's real obsessed and mentions it constantly. So constantly. I'm assuming his friend from the first book gave him peanut butter and jelly. And so now it's a... He must have given it all the time. And it's like created this addiction. I guess. Um, that, well, so we get a kind of a vision of what Ralph spends his time doing, which is pretty much just riding his motorcycle up and down the hallway when mm-hmm. all the people, the humans are asleep. Yes. But, um, his family's not so down with that. No, Uncle Lester. You can't go on living like this, said Uncle Lester, running around the lobby, watching television all day and tearing around on that motorcycle all night. Yes, agreed Ralph's mother, a most fearful mouse whose whiskers trembled constantly with fright. She was afraid of people, vacuum cleaners, owls, cats, traps, and poison grain. She quivered at the slightest sound. Ralph stared at the carpet. Look at you, said Uncle Lester, lint all over your whiskers. Ralph brushed at his whiskers with one paw. And you're getting fat from eating peanuts you pick up in that that place, continued Uncle Lester. A bar is no place for a young mouse. I just love this talk. <laughs> but sure it is, Uncle Lester. You're just no fun. It just sounds so human. But with all these really mouth does. details. It does. Uh, but his mom's right to be afraid of poison. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> True. And like you were saying before, with her descriptions of things, it's like she spends all this time thinking about. Yeah. And to me, it's the same as world building for it any is. kind of fantasy thing. She definitely did a lot of that, but I feel like actually she spent too much time, <laughs> sort of, because like not a lot happens, but everything is described in excruciating detail. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. There were times, I will admit, that it was kind of like, 
okay, let's kind of skip yeah. this little paragraph because I know that it's just all description. It is. And it's all stuff that you really don't need to know because at the end of this chapter, he spends a really long time being forced to give all his uh, mice cousins and brothers and sisters rides on his motorcycle. Right. And he's all angry about it. Yes, he is. And so that night he's like, I'm going to run away and I'm going to go to camp. Yes, that is what prompts him to run away. Yeah. I do want to mention, though, before he gets to that point, he does talk about how he used to have a lot of brothers and sisters. Yeah, and they all died with poison grain. Right. And so yeah. now he's left in between these two generations. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, of course, really get along with his cousins. They're too young. Yeah. He thinks they're ridiculous. And then his older older mice family members, he they're can't all, all he, old. Down. he can't yeah. connect to them. He can't. That's why he needs little boys. And that's to, yeah, uh, that's got to be a hard place to be in for. Sweet little mouse. Poor Ralph. Poor Ralph. Well, oh. he was being kind of a whiny bee. He was. But whatever. He's a child. What do you think he is in human years? Like 12? 12, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'd say 12. Because isn't Garth did you, like about did you that ever, age? Did you ever th- have thoughts about running away from home? I did. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. My mom said that I tried to do it once and she didn't believe me, so she helped me pack. <laughs> did she really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she didn't believe I'd actually do it. I was really young. <laughs> I remember being really young. And so, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have done it. But yeah. she helped me pack, and then I got tired and didn't go. Yeah, I would always pack <laughs> suitcases. We had we had these straw-woven, like, old suitcases that I think I got from our grandmother. And we would, yeah, I mean, like, all three, like, all three of us, I have two sisters, we would pretend, like, oh, yeah, we're running away, and we're going to pack all of our stuff in well, these see, little suitcases. I, like, if oh, I were going to go? Parent, where are you going to go? I feel like if I were a parent, if all three of them were in on it, I might be a little worried. <laughs> My mom was obviously like, she's never going to do, do this. It. But I, yeah. I I didn't have any serious thoughts about it. I, that's the only time I can think of that it well, happened. Well, Ralph is serious. He was serious because he He's did gonna it. He's going to do it. Then chapter two is called The Open Road. Yes. So he makes his plans. He waits till nightfall. He has a conversation with the inn owner named Matt, who's, you know, who's like, yeah, go go do your thing, Ralph. And then he tries to tell him a story of his own, but Ralph gives no fucks and doesn't want to <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> it was really sad. He's like, Ralph's like, this is what I'm going to do. And Matt's like, that's nice. Go out on your own. He's like, once I went out on my own. Oh, yeah, and Ralph's, right. like, Ralph's like, nah, I'm, I'm, what? I'm not listening. <laughs> well, yeah, what happened? Like, he he's, he ended up getting married and having kids. And yeah, it was like too like late. That. Yeah. So, yeah. But Ralph didn't care about his sad story. No. He <laughs> is selfish. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, it was kind of interesting because I usually don't like those characters. And I really didn't like them when I was younger. So I don't know, you don't why. know why you like this. I guess because he was in mouse like form. Book. Maybe you just owned it. No, <laughs> I think I liked I liked it because he was in mouse form. Had I he guess. been in boy form, I would not yeah. have liked it. No, yeah, a bratty boy is much harder to deal with <laughs> than a bratty rat. Mouse, sorry, mouse. mouse. He's a mouse. Well, so Ralph asks for help getting down the stairs, um, but Matt refuses because he's like, nah, you said you want to be independent, so right. go, bro. Excellent lesson. Yeah. I was like, ha And he figures it out. He does. He gets in a little bit of trouble. It was like a one-page description of... Of him being <laughs> caught in a bush. It was more than one page. It was a really long description of him being caught in this bush. <laughs> it was. And so, yeah, okay, he's got trials and tribulations, but he gets out of the bush. He Spoiler does. Spoiler alert. He, he does. The very first lesson to learn was that a shrub is not a leafy cushion. Right. He thought it was going to be. And nope. And it took him a while, but he made Poorly surprised. It. Good, good on you, Ralph. But then they say that, so he gets like on the road and he's riding to the camp and they say it takes like three days yeah. for him to get there. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a pretty long time for him to go out on his own. But It is. But he, he has, did. Yeah, he has to hide in the, in the, uh, weeds on the side of the road, yep. but yeah, he Dodge makes it. cars and mm-hmm. stuff because they're like shaking the highway and things like that. But he makes it. Good little brave rat. Mouse. But sorry, mouse. <laughs> I'm just being slanderous. Uh, when he arrives at the camp, he meets a dog named Sam, mm-hmm. who he thinks is going to eat him. But Sam's kind of like dopey and like. I think he's. I don't know. He's kind of a cool character. Yeah, I feel he's like not if, an aggressive dog. If they found somebody for a voice actor, I would think Sam Elliott. That's who I would think. Just kind of like Yeah. He's been around yeah. for a while. He's like slow. I just but he's want still... the humans to tell me I'm a good dog. <laughs> yeah. That's he pretty takes much his it. job seriously, he but does. you know, 
He's supposed to like guard the camp and keep all the riffraff out, pretty much. Like the silly kittens. What did he say about the kittens? Silly little things with no sense of responsibility. Yep. They I have a conversation that. about hating kittens, which is, you know, I mean, I guess if I were a dog or a mouse, I'd probably also hate kittens. But as a human, I love kittens. Yeah, they're pretty adorable. So yeah, there's a there's a thing about Ralph hiding from Sam in a gopher hole, and the gopher kicks him out or whatever. And that starts chapter three. Yes. An educational toy. This was a hard chapter for me to read. A little bit. A little bit because... So the gopher kicks Ralph out of his hole because Ralph was kind of hiding there waiting for, like, Sam to go away. Mm -hmm. And he thinks he's found, like, a safe place to hide under some bamboo, but then a family of cats finds him. And I love the cat's name. Catso. Oh, my God. I'm like, Catso. Is he, like, part of the gang in... uh Oh, what was that? Heathcliff. That's yes. I, I feel like he would be in the oh, man. gang of bad cats. Remember Cleo? She was like the... She was so cute. She was so cute. <laughs> she had like leg warmers yes. and a leotard. Yes. Man, I want to cosplay as Cleo. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, she was she was the best. But... Uh, Not Katzo. No, Katzo's kind of, a, kind of a jerk face. He's... I guess the educational toy part is where he's trying to teach his kittens how to play with and devour a mouse. Which, you know, I guess devil's advocate, he's trying to yeah. educate the young. Yeah. But it was really, like I said, it was really hard for me to read this because I mean, he really does. she's giving you detailed yeah. information about I like the, the description about like his claws closing over him <laughs> like, like a trap. <laughs> and, he's, and Ralph's like, if I even move, like I'll get stabbed in five different places. places yes. And it, it really is very good detail. But this, this cat is definitely made out to be a jerk face. Yeah, my anxiety was on high alert while reading this. I'm like, oh gosh, I know he's not going to die, but still, it's just my little mice friends. I know, but Garf (laughs) saves him. Garf saves him. He comes up with a butterfly net, which I I, I guess. I guess you could just do it on the ground and he just doesn't move and then you scoop him up. up. So Garf saves Ralph and uh, the camp owner, Aunt Jill, Mm -hmm. suggests that that he keep him. So they get a little cage for him. And uh, they put him in the nature in, center. Yeah, in, in like the craft, the craft shop, the craft hall, or yeah. whatever. And uh, Ralph's pretty scared, especially when a bunch of girls come squeeing in his direction. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's a mouse! Apparently, he can't connect with girls. No, he doesn't like girls. And I'm like, you know what's funny? As I was reading this, I remember you saying you didn't like Indian in the Cupboard because it was a story for boys. And I'm like, this is a I story know, for boys. But I guess I didn't feel that way. Even have, though they're talking about how lame girls are all the time? Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know. We, I guess we should reread Indian in the Cupboard so I can figure out what it was that I just could that not connect like. with. Yeah, maybe I just didn't like the whole Indian and cowboy type of thing. I don't know. I was into it. But I loved mice, so yeah. I just read about mice. <laughs> well, it's def- this def- is definitely a boy's book, for you sure. You think so? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, they don't put. They don't talk about girls in a very positive light in this but that's okay well Um, i feel like most girls squeal at at mice maybe not i mean yeah i guess but they also well we'll get yeah we'll get into it sorry sorry yeah yeah yeah. i wrote for some reason garf throws a hissy fit and leaves i i think it's because he he was mad that the girls are paying attention to his mouse yes he felt like he's the one that found the mouse so the mouse is his and he didn't want to have to share it with anybody. Yeah. So we're given a little bit more information about Garf and how the other kids at camp see as see him as being kind of mean. Yeah. He doesn't talk to anyone. He doesn't really participate. And so Aunt Jill thinks that it would be a good idea for Garf to take responsibility for the mouse right. and that the mouse is his. So Ralph just kind of waits, hoping that Garf will come back and save him. And that's the end of that chapter. Mm-hmm. In chapter four, entitled Chum. Chum. Yep. I liked this one. I loved the description <laughs> of Chum because I've had hamsters before and I'm like, man, it all makes sense now. Mm-hmm. And now I know, now I'm inside the brain of a hamster. Maybe. So Chum is a hamster mm-hmm. who belongs to another girl in camp named Lana. Is yes. Is her name Lana? Yes. Before Chum comes, Ralph just kind of like spends his days in the craft room and Garf comes and checks on him every so often. The girls come and squeal at him, whatever. He's got like a wheel that he runs on. Kids come by and feed him a lot. So he's feeling pretty good. But then Garf comes back alone when it's dark. And he he sings a song. Little rabbit fru-fru hopping through the forest. Scooping up the field nice and banging him on the head. 
And then Ralph is like, oh horrified. my god. <laughs> He's like, wow, this this boy wants to bang mice on the head. So uh, clearly he's not the nice little boy I'm used to. Yeah. So he's he's pretty much resigned himself to loneliness <laughs> because just when he decides to uh, trust Garf again, like after some like time passes, mm-hmm. Garf comes back and sings another song, <laughs> which is it the Gopher Guts song? Yes. Because I remember the words differently to this song. I've never heard Are of you that kidding? song. So, I've never heard of this song. I don't know what it is in there, but the words I remember is great big globs of greasy, grimy gopher guts, mutilated monkey meat, chopped up little birdie's feet. That's how it goes. Well, now that you're singing it in that rhythm, I remember a song like that, but I can't remember the lyrics at all. But And here it's a uh, great Green globs of greasy, grimy gopher guts, stimulated monkey feet, chopped up baby parakeet. <laughs> and I was like, stimulated like monkey, monkey feet? What I don't is know that? what that means. Mine was mutilated monkey meat, which makes a <laughs> oh, lot God, more sense, one. right? Than stimulated well, monkey Well, I feel feet? like it should be mutilated monkey feet. That would be perfect. The mutilated, I just, do you mutilate meat? Yeah. Banging a lot. Stimulate feet? <laughs> I guess Ralph wouldn't have liked me because I, I used to sing that song when I was a kid. I, I don't I mean, it wasn't like my favorite or anything, no. but I, I remember it. And the Little Bunny Foo Foo one, too. I do remember Little Bunny Foo Foo. But it was bunny, not rabbit, and it was yeah, bopping them on bopping the head. Bopping them on the head, yeah, yeah not banging them. Yeah. Not little rabbit frou-frou. Whatever. Their words are different than ours. I'm, do you have song childhood songs that have different words than these? Let us know. Yeah. I want to know. I like those childhood songs. So, yeah, the... I, over time, he just keeps hearing Ralph, or Garf singing these terrible songs, and he's just like, well, this this human boy is not one that I want to be a part of. So he's uh, he's pretty depressed that he's going to be alone, but he likes his wheel, so he's okay. And then Chum comes. And then Chum comes, yep. Chum is uh, a hamster. Mm-hmm. They Lana- put his cage next to Ralph's. Yep, Lana bought him. Mm-hmm. Quite a few summers ago, it seems like, but she brings him every year to summer camp because her, her mom, parents don't like him. Yeah, her mom wants a vacation from having to take care of this hamster. Yep, he came from a pet shop and uh, then was taken to like a county fair, and that's where Lana bought him. Mm-hmm. And he apparently hates the county fair, but he doesn't really like his life because he says that it's always like loud and miserable and he doesn't like people poking at him and you know uh it kind of him telling him his sob story kind of depresses ralph because ralph was like man i felt pretty good i'm like running on this wheel and i'm getting food for free and like he was feeling like good about life and now he's like oh well maybe my life's not so great after all (laughs) chum just ruined his life yeah i want to talk about the little introduction that we get from him what are you anyway he asked some kind of fancy gopher the animal spat a green pellet out of his cage before he shot ralph a withering look of scorn fancy gopher indeed he sniffed well ralph flattered i didn't know you can't blame me for asking i am a hamster said the animal a golden hamster i'm clean odorless and alert (laughs) clean odorless and (laughs) And alert alert. (laughs) yeah you imagine a chum being like like kind of like a, f- I okay. I this is a weird. It's okay comparison, <laughs> but I imagine him like Horace Slughorn from Harry Potter. I can see that because he's like fat, picky. Yeah, you know, like he doesn't eat half the food that they give him. Yeah, because he doesn't like it or whatever, and he's just you know thinks he's hot shit. Yeah, apparently, and which that's kind that. of made me think. So, is it that you're you're this pet store type of animal so you feel like you're above the wild ones maybe because he's like bred or something <laughs> yeah. he's purebred obviously he's purebred. a golden a golden hamster. hamster so i guess if he feels he's special because he's purebred then there you go yeah so chum turns out i mean you know he's a nice nice enough guy yeah, yeah. something to help you pass the time yeah. but it's not they're it's not, not like besties no definitely not no Later on, Katzo returns. Oh, gosh, that's right. So after Chum's story, Ralph sees that Katzo has found a hole in the screen door, Mm -hmm. and he's making headway with it. He can stretch his paw through it and poke his head around. Yeah, trying to make it big enough so he can fit in eventually. Yeah, but Sam, the good old watchdog, sees it, barks, and then Katzo runs away. For now. 
for now. And then it starts chapter five, the personal, personal mouse. mouse spelled M-O-W-S-E. Yep. <laughs> the first note that I wrote is Chum is a philosopher. Yes, I wrote that too. <laughs> like, yes, Chum, I think about life too. Yeah, basically uh, Chum has some sort of like existential crisis or whatever. And because uh, Ralph is so happy just running on the wheel and he's like, but where are you really going? Yeah. Where do you think you're going on that wheel? And Ralph's like, I don't know. I just enjoy it. You run and you run and you're still in the same old cage. He ruins Ralph's life. I think it's good, though, because Ralph had this idea of independence. And then you kind of he ends up in a cage and then you kind of get stuck and think like, oh, this is, a, you know, this is OK. And then you forget, wait, I wanted to be independent. He's still not independent. No. Because he's depending on the food from the people right. and everything like that. So. Right. True. It kind of wakes him up. Yeah, wakes him does. up a little bit. It does wake him up. He he has a little bit of an existential crisis, and then he's like, okay, well, maybe this isn't what I want after all. Mm-hmm. He notices that Chum like performs whenever his owner Lana comes by, and because he wants to like get all the good food, so yeah. he acts like a good little hamster, and then instead of biting her hand, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so Ralph. I don't know. He watches this and he is curious about it. But Ralph still can't trust Garf. Mm-hmm. And so he refuses to accept food from him. Because mm-hmm. Garf comes in and tries to hand him the seeds and all Ralph does is hide. Because yeah. greasy, he's, grimy he, gopher. I head. was about to say, because he's <laughs> singing these terrible, horrible songs. And also, I didn't mention it, but uh, the, he talks about listening to Garf sing. And the description of how Garf sings is really good, but it really we just find out he can't sing. Like, he right. can't carry a tune. Yeah. But the way that they describe it is like, it's like all the low notes are high and the high notes are yeah. low. And I'm, and so I'm imagining it like this creepy singing, but really <laughs> oh it's just that he can't sing. Like if Crispin Glover were singing yes. or something. Like doing it like discordant melody, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But it's not that cool. It's really just that he can't carry a tune. He can't carry a tune. I feel like the, well, in my notes I wrote that the most important part of this chapter is the conversation between Garf and Aunt Jill. Yes. He's supposed to be, he's not supposed to be in the craft shop without adult supervision. Exactly. He's been sneaking in this whole time. So Garf is angry and he's cla- kind of closed off to Aunt Jill, but she's very calm and very persistent and shows that she cares about him mm-hmm. and that he's important. So she keeps asking him, what is it that you want to do? And Aunt he, Jill's pretty cool. She's awesome. Yeah. She's awesome. She's good at taking care of kids. She is. Uh, Garf pretty much is like, I want to have a place to be alone. Yes. And I don't want anyone touching my mouth. <laughs> That's right. It's my personal mouse. My personal mouse. Are you so, going to read the note that he left? Oh, I can. I didn't even make that note. Uh, you can read it. You can read it. It's spelled absolutely incorrectly. Yes. But well, uh, he spends the entire day making this sign, by the way. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, how? But it mentions that he spends the entire day making this sign. So he puts this sign over the mouse's cage. Private. Keep out. This mouse is the personal property of Garfield R. Jernigan. If you feed him, you will drop dead. Signed, (laughs) the personal mouse. (laughs) And it's spelled absolutely incorrectly. Every word is spelled wrong. Every word, yeah. Garf's a little bit of a sociopath. Well, no. Drop dead if you feed my mouth. Okay, okay, that's a little bit different. (laughs) But we do find out that Garf has had to share a room with his older brother at home. Okay. And that when he he doesn't have any kind of private time, when he tries to go to his room and do his own thing, his brother usually comes in and turns on some crazy loud music. Um, So he doesn't have a space of his own. And you also learn that his parents keep him involved in so many things. He never has... Any Alone kind of, time. No. He's always involved in after-school activities or weekend stuff. So he's... And I don't even know if these are things that he actually enjoys doing. It sounds like it's not. So his parents are just trying to keep him busy to keep him out of trouble. Yeah. Which is probably a good idea because he seems like a trouble. Is he? Is it, though? Because I was thinking about that. <laughs> is that a good idea? I don't know. I'm not a parent. But <laughs> I, I don't know. Garf has some issues he's got to work through. But Ralph hears all this and starts to understand him a little bit more. And yeah, he's he, determined to speak to him. Next he's going to speak to him next time. Mm-hmm. Chapter 6, A Thief in the Craft Shop. Yep. Uh, days. Oh, I forgot. Uh, at the end of some, at some point in the previous chapter... He hears, Ralph hears Garf talking about how he's going to run away. 
And so Ralph actually gets excited about that. Oh, yeah, that's Be- right. Because he's like, oh, well, if he runs away, then he's my kind of boy. Yeah. And he is, that's part of what makes him, like, want to talk to him because he's hoping maybe they can, I don't know, run away together, I guess. Or like at he, least that Garth's going to understand, understand his plight and help him Yeah, get something out. like that. And so, you know, in Chapter 6, he, like, days go by and, like, Garf has changed his tune because now I guess that he's got permission to be alone he doesn't need to be alone anymore because yeah, well, he starts he, like hanging out with people more well i think it's more that he's he's shown an adult that has validated his feelings and given him that opportunity to have that space alone so then he doesn't feel like he needs to sneak into the craft shop all yeah. the time and break rules to yeah. to get what he needs cool he's got validation <laughs> well he ralph, needs it. unfortunately ralph gets real bored and kind of homesick yes so and he misses his motorcycle which uh, is in the bamboo weeds. It's still, yeah. Yeah. It's still in the bamboo leaves from when Katso yeah. snatched him up. Um, Ralph doesn't really get a chance to talk to Garf alone because Garf is always with people now. Unfortunately, as the days go by, one night, Katso finally breaks in through that hole in the screen door that he's been working on. Mm. Ralph's pretty tense and he's waiting for like Katso to pounce on him, but the cat gets distracted by a, a girl who's in the craft room. She... Has like poison oak, which I don't think is that important. Yes, it is important. Like they mentioned, and she okay, takes off her watch re- yeah, because that's of that. why. That's why she left. She had to take off her watch to scratch her poison oak, right. and left her watch near Ralph's cage. Yes, and for some reason, Katso decides to take it, which doesn't make sense to me, but whatever. Because he's the cat, and he sees it dangling over the edge, so he knocks it off the shelf knocking it off makes sense and then he inspects it he bats it with his paw a little bit and then then, picks it up and takes it outside i don't know any cat that would do that what none of your cats would do that they do that with like my hair ties but not (laughs) something as heavy as a watch they would definitely knock it off a table maybe it was one of those um, tiny like i'm trying to think what what watches were in the 70s (laughs) swatch or watches i don't know (laughs) i don't know but i thought they said it was like gold Oh, maybe. I yeah, imagine it, it being be like this heavy. heavy thing. Either way, Katso takes the watch Katso's and carries it outside. Dumb. Yep, and, and he just drops it out there in the bamboo. Yeah. Karen comes back for her watch. That's the girl with poison oak. Mm-hmm. And it's gone. Everyone immediately blames Garf because that's right. He's the sullen kid. He's the one that broke it. That kept breaking into the craft shop. Well, alone. not breaking in, but well, sneaking he was in, in there alone. Although she wasn't gone that long, so I don't know what they thought he did. But whatever. They all blame him. Mm -hmm. And Garf huffs off and, you know, goes to be alone. Uh, Chum tells Ralph that he suspects Garf's not going to come back to the craft room anytime soon. Because he thinks that he doesn't want to be implicated. That's right. With this theft. So Chum is very smart. So, yeah, Chum pretty much is like, "Uh, Ralph, you're going to starve. I'll try to help you out, buddy, but uh, but uh, I'll throw you yeah. one of those alfalfa pellets that I yeah. never want to eat. And that's pretty much what happens. <laughs> but also, right before the chapter ends, Ralph is watching Garf outside the window in the bamboo. He finds Ralph's motorcycle. That's right. And takes it with him. He goes to... How would you say the sound effect? I don't know. I'm not good at... I'm not good at mouth noises. Sorry. That's not a skill that I have. Now that Garf has Ralph's motorcycle, Ralph kind of realizes that he's not going to get it back unless he helps clear Garf of suspicion for the theft. So that's kind of what his new goal is. Yeah. And he feels a little bit, you know, it's one step closer to, okay, I can connect with this kid. Yeah. So. So he's flip-flopping a lot. (laughs) It's hard. One minute he's singing about torturing animals. Because he's a sociopath. (laughs) (laughs) still it seems like he's his only hope to get out so chapter seven is called the escape and days have passed and i'm not sure how many because that's one thing she kind of leaves out she doesn't well this entire book takes place over the entire summer the entire summer yeah because remember at the end i mean i know i know at the end but i'm wondering entire what at what point did it start because the bugle had already started and I think he had mentioned he had heard it a couple of days but, beforehand. But Garf was going. Oh, yeah, that's right, because they check in for it. Gosh, yes, it's the it's whole... It's the entire summer. Summer. Well, I don't know. It could have been just a month. We don't know how long their summer camp is. That's true. But whatever. It's that's it's true. weeks. And then, of course, I start thinking, I wonder how mice experience time. <laughs> Does oh it go God. by quickly? Because they have such a short lifespan and they have such small bodies? I don't know. 
I need to run on a wheel and think about <laughs> it. I don't know. Okay, so Garf is afraid to come into the craft shop. Yep. And no one else is allowed to take care of Ralph because nope. he made that sign. Yeah, so Trum this, is giving him food, but but Mal, but he's Ralph hungry. is wasting away. Yeah, he's wasting away. Aunt Jill notices finally. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and she brings Garf by, and she's like, "You need to feed your mouse." That's right, bro. You made a choice, and you need to honor it. <laughs> yep. So Aunt Jill leaves him alone, leaves Garf alone. Mm-hmm. Garf isn't stupid. He's like, she thinks I've took taken the. The watch, watch and she, she's giving me a chance to give it back. But Ralph uses this a time to speak finally. Yeah. Garf's really not that shocked or scared that his mouse talks. I know. I was like, this is kind of a lackluster first encounter. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, whoa, you talk. Cool. But then he like didn't believe anything Ralph said. And I'm like, this is a mouse talking to you, <laughs> <Yeah>. sir, <laughs> for the first time in your life. An animal is talking to you. Don't yeah. you think you should give them some kind of like credibility? Not even. None. Ralph starts by trying to get Garf to uh, let him free, just let him free. Mm-hmm. And Garf's like, no, I want to take you home with me. <laughs> you're coming home. And then he's like, oh, your mom's not going to like it. No. She's going to think I'm too smelly. Yeah. <laughs> so I think she, he kind of like immediately convinces them not to go that path because they never really talk about that again. Yeah. But uh, Ralph does tell him that he knows where the watch is. Garf doesn't really want to have anything to do with it because he's like if I even like touch it or bring it or be am seen with it they're all gonna think I stole it and I don't want that yeah so he just gives Ralph some food and he leaves mm-hmm. Ralph tries to think of a way to escape on his own Casso comes back yes and at this point everybody's down at the river having a picnic right and so Sam is down there yes. too so there's no one to stop the cat oh gosh but Ralph is kind of being I don't know I don't know if you'd call it brave or reckless but he essentially taunts Katzo until he knocks his cage off the table. Because he's right. hoping that, like, I guess his plan all along is he's going to knock my cage off and I'm going to run. Yeah, he's going to have some opportunity. And if he doesn't even have that opportunity, it's going to be better than just wasting being, away. In yeah, cage. wasting away in the cage. Well, he does escape. Uh, there's a really long, long description. description of the <laughs> scuffle with Ralph and Katzo, which I'm not even going to get into. <laughs> You know, they fight for a while. Katzo finally gives up, and Ralph hides in a tight spot that he can't get into. So Katzo's like, all right, fine. I didn't want you anyway, yeah. as cats do. <laughs> they pretend they, that pretend they didn't <laughs> care. Man, I don't remember when. Since we were talking about, like, the descriptions of Katzo being so good, well, of all of them, there's one instance that I laughed out loud where they're talking about Katzo doing stuff. And then, like, it's like suddenly Katzo remembered that he hadn't washed in a few minutes and he stops and starts cleaning his toes immediately. <laughs> and I'm like, that is such a cat, cat thing to do. Yeah. They're just walking and all of a sudden they're like, my feet are dirty. <laughs> I gotta clean them. And I'm just, she obviously owns cats. She did have a cat. She did? She did. Mm-hmm. I think his name was Kitty. She probably liked that cat. She did. But if you're writing it a story sit, about a mouse. And it would sit then. on her typewriter as she tried to type. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> you know, as cats do. I feel like, yeah, even though the cat is the villain in the story, her descriptions of it are in, in such a way that she knows cats very well. Yes. For sure. Anyway, so Ralph is hiding. Catso uh, gives up and leaves. And Ralph is now free, but he's got to figure out a way to get his motorcycle from Garf. Right. So that's the new the new challenge. So while I was reading this chapter, I kind of thought about this. Um, I think uh, the description that I read kind of prompting this, prompting us for this podcast, uh, I got from Goodreads. And I remember it feeling like there was going to be a lot of bonding going on with Garf and no. Ralph. And I'm like, we're already at chapter seven and I haven't really bonded. So I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, the description of my book doesn't sound like that, but I think you're right. There was a description that talked about, like, him bonding with a boy at camp, but they don't really bond. They don't really bond, but I I guess that's not what the story's really about. It's about... It's about his independence. Right. Yeah. Now, Garf's just kind of like... And Garf gets his own independence or something. I don't know. I I guess he kind of changes, too, but I don't really care about Garf. (laughs) Not really. Well, I just wonder, why hasn't anyone fixed that hole in the screen door? Do they not have a maintenance person? Clearly. A groundskeeper? No. <laughs> what no. about raccoons getting in the craft shop? Has no one wondered about? There's no animals other than the uh, other than the cat because Sam keeps them out. That's true. He would Good old kill Sam. a raccoon. Good old Sam. Good old Sam. Chapter 8's called Ralph Strikes a Bargain. Mm-hmm. So Lana discovers the mess yep. and the missing Ralph in the craft shop. And this kind of helps Garf's case that his mouse is also missing. 
Right. So it wasn't they. So they don't think it's him. Right. They, They're focused on now that like who came in and stole his mouse. And well, they assume it's Katzo. Yeah. Which they're right. Yes. So there well, you go. Well, Lana says a thief is in our midst because she's eager for excitement and mystery. I love that description about her. Garf notices the hole in the screen door yeah. and suggests, "Hey, what about Katzo?" So finally, 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 they fix the screen door. And uh, Lana goes off and, like, scolds Katzo for, like, an that hour. That's what I thought was so weird. <laughs> You've got this whole background noise of Lana yeah. scolding Katzo and Sam. Yeah. Because Sam, Sam didn't, didn't stop do his Katzo. Job. Yeah. In I the mean, background it, of all this happening. Go, yeah, I think we that was brought up, like, three times, maybe? They're setting the like, scene, why, I guess. Why are you? Anyway. I don't know. So Garf is the one who patches the hole in the door. Well, Uncle Steve helps. He gives him the supplies. Good old Uncle Good Steve. Good old Uncle Steve, who's barely been in this at all. <laughs> Aunt Jill is the one really running things around here. Uh, Ralph uses this opportunity to come out when Garf is just in there alone, fixing the hole. Mm-hmm. Garf's glad that Ralph is alive, but Ralph just wants his motorcycle. That's all he cares about. <laughs> he really does. It's honestly, I, I, like I said, there's not much bonding going on. And no. even when they're talking, I don't feel they're like there's friends. much bonding. It's yeah. like, hey... You've got a problem. I've got, I've got a, a problem. problem. Let's help each other out. <laughs> yeah. So basically his uh, bargain that he strikes is he's like, I'm going to find a way to return the watch to a place where you're not going to be implicated if you give me my motorcycle back. And mm-hmm. Garf's like, mm, I don't really think you can do it, but okay. Yeah. And that's that's the bargain. And, and Garf does one better by saying, I'll actually I'll actually take you back to the inn. So you won't have to ride right. your motorcycle. Because his, his tires are a bit worn from the three-night... The three, yeah, journey. the three-day journey here. And Garf's like, you're never going to make it, but I'll take you back home. So yeah. they, have, they have a deal. They're business partners, <laughs> essentially. That's exactly what it is, yeah. honestly. <laughs> Ralph realizes that he's not made to live in the wild, that this is too much for him. Yeah, he actually misses his stupid cousins and brothers yeah. and whatever, even though he hated them a minute ago. Which, listen, I understand that that's like your typical kid story. That you're supposed to, like, appreciate your family and, like, realize how much they've done for you. But maybe in the first one it's different. But in this one they did nothing but judge the shit out of him and force him to do things he didn't want to do. <laughs> I, I feel There's like... There's not much yeah. lovable about them. No, I agree. So um, I, I'm not sure why he would miss them because he didn't seem to have any sort of relationship with them. So I'm hoping that maybe they had a relationship in the first book and I just don't I'm, know I'm wondering it. if it's more of just, like, he was... Not much of was really asked of him. I mean, yeah, you got to give rides on your motorcycle, but he was still allowed a lot of freedom. Yeah. So, so Ralph and Garf are talking. Ralph's talking about, you know, wanting the motorcycle so he can get on the highway and get back to the inn. And another thing, said Garf, you'd probably get laryngitis from making a motorcycle noise before you were halfway there. Ralph was utterly dejected. I suppose you're right. Bad Sam! Bad Sam! scolded Lana from the trampoline. Yet again, that weird background noise. Anyway, Ralph ducked under a leaf while some campers walked past. What am I going to do? He asked pitifully as he emerged. I can't stay here with the cats. I'm a hotel mouse. I'm not used to living on weed seeds out in the cold. When winter comes, I'll probably die. If the cats don't get me first, I've got to try to make it back to the hotel. You should have thought about things like that before you ran away, chided Garf. I should, but I didn't, said Ralph coldly. You don't have to sound like a grown-up. Damn. <laughs> you tell him. Yeah. He's right, though. He's right. I mean, those are things you should have thought about. So, yeah, I think it's just more that he had more freedom than he realized. Yeah. But he also had the security of having a roof over his head and yes. not having cats that want to kill him. Exactly. And everything else. So, yeah, he's. I, there is a third book, so I wonder if he goes back home and settles down. I don't know. I'll um, have to read it again. Uh, chapter, chapter nine is called The Dangerous Plan, although it's really not that dangerous. I mean, well, I it probably it could have been. So the plan was to meet by the bamboo the next morning because Ralph was going to try to pull this whole thing off during the night, I guess. Yeah. And then, so chapter nine starts out with him being like, I'm a failure, Ralph told himself. Oh, because he couldn't find an opportunity for the kids, to, the girls to be alone. Right. He couldn't find, well, and he also couldn't find a way in because everything was cement right. or, so he couldn't. His plan was to return the watch that night, meet with Garf the next morning, right. and everything was going to be great. He had to, he well, do specifically, it. he had to uh, return the watch to a place where Garf couldn't have gone. Boy, yeah, boys no were allowed. So, like, girls' bathroom or the yeah. girls' cabin. But he couldn't get in because there was nothing wood for him to chew through. Right. So, he, yeah, he feels like he hasn't been able to do it, but then Sam helps him do it. 
because he well, helps him drag it into their sleeping bag area. Well, so what happens, the campers, some of the campers bring out their sleeping bags to kind of air out for the day. Mm-hmm. And Karen just so happens to bring her bag out. So Ralph is like, this is perfect. I'll drag the watch over to her sleeping bag. But Sam is like, well, first, so while he's dragging it, of course, Katso mm-hmm. notices that Ralph is over there and he's, you know, he's wiggling his little booty, getting ready to jump on him. And Sam, of course, stops him. Sam growled deep in his throat. Distracted, Katso stopped waggling and glared at Sam. Get me in trouble, will you? Growled Sam to the cat. Katso stood up, arched his back, and appeared to double in size. See here, Sam, he hissed. I'm supposed to exterminate pesky mice. Not this one, growled Sam, advancing. He belongs here, and you got me in trouble by letting him escape. Is that so? Katso hissed back and swiped at Sam's nose with an evil clawed paw. What about me? I'm unjustly accused of eating him. And what are you up to now? demanded Sam. And with that question, he snapped at Katso, who turned his back with his tail proudly erect and stalked off towards the craft shop before he suddenly remembered he had not washed recently. <laughs> I love that. That's what I was talking yeah. about. Yeah. And then he just, he's, you know, he's like, uh, he walks away and then he's like, whoops, gotta clean my toes now. <laughs> yeah. So cute. Yeah. Cats are the best. And so Sam also lets Ralph know even if you bring this watch over to her, sleeping bag that can still implicate garf it could because they're gonna thrown it over right. or whatever and so ralph decides that he's going to gnaw a hole in the sleeping bag mm-hmm. and like bury it in there and he'll be like there's no way garf could have done that exactly yeah so but, but he's an idiot and he falls asleep <laughs> look it was comfy cozy in there oh, okay <laughs> sure and gnawing through a sleeping bag is probably very tiring i guess i they keep mentioning the the Dra- draken draken is that the, what you're talking about? The Durex? It's, it's like the, the D- whatever it's made out of. D-R-A-C-O-N. No, Dacron. Dacron. Yeah, Dacron. Dacron. So I'm guessing that's some sort of like... like stuffing? Polyester type yeah. stuffing called Dacron. But they mention the word Dacron a lot. And I'm like, how the hell does Ralph know what Dacron is? But whatever. It's real soft and he falls asleep in he there. He falls asleep. Like an idiot. And he ends up waking up to the sound of a zipper. Uh, it's girls and girls start screaming because uh <laughs> girls apparently can't handle mice nope they all start screaming karen finds ralph in her sleeping bag and she's screaming and all the girls are in a frenzy <laughs> and uh they trap ralph but they find the watch she does find the watch which is good but they ultimately decide to give ralph to garf because he lost his mouse and they can't tell mice apart that's right so they're just like, hey, it's a new mouse. Let's give it to Garf. So Garf has friends finally because they thought about him. I don't know. You don't think so? Well. Because they're like, well, well hey, we have this mouse. First off, Garf lost his mouse. Aunt Jill, Aunt Jill kind of put that thought in their head. She was like, maybe you should give it to Garf because he misses his mouse so much. And because he was wrongfully accused. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Hey, Aunt Jill kind of accused him, too. Just not she directly. Did. She did. She, she kinda, secretly she, thought that he was doing yeah. it. Anyway. So they do, uh, they do give him the my, the mouse and mm-hmm. Ralph's like oh my god it's me and so he tells Garf he they he did what yeah, he the, wanted the deal's still on the so still deliver on. deliver Garf so he finally gets his motorcycle back and uh, Garf agrees to take him back to the inn uh, the next day mm-hmm. and it, the book literally ends with Garf saying hey show me how to ride the motorcycle and he does and they fall asleep at the end yeah well it was a really <laughs> abrupt ending it was so after all the excitement of the morning, Ralph was ready for yet another nap. But first he popped his head out of Garf's pocket. Thanks, friend, he said. And by the way, don't roll over on me during rest time. Don't worry, whispered Garf. I'll get you back to the end in one piece and your motorcycle too. The end. The end. That's it. So we don't actually get to see the resolution. We just think it's going to happen. Something terrible could happen tomorrow. No. Katso could break in tonight. <laughs> no, no. The third book starts with uh, Katso murdering Ralph. Mutilated mouse parts. Yeah. <laughs> Mutilated no. monkey parts. I don't know. But um, So, yeah, I thought the ending was abrupt. It was kind of abrupt. So what are your, what are your thoughts about this book? What do you think? It was okay. Beverly Cleary is obviously a great writer. Yes. And it's, I'd say she's a better writer than What's Her Face from Fairy Rebel. Lynn Reed Banks. Lynn Reed Banks. 
because just her descriptions are so colorful. That and, and I feel like her flow. She's got a really nice flow with she things. She does. I mean, it is true, like I said before, that nothing really happens. You could have summed up everything that happened in like a paragraph. <laughs> but they just build this world because kids don't need a lot of things to happen. They right. just want to, they need help imagining what's going on. And she describes everything so detailed that, I mean, you just, you know exactly what's going on. Yeah. It's very colorful, very good. I'm not saying it very well, but it's certainly not something I would have been into as a kid. I know that I would not have been into this. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just not like anything I read <laughs> back then. I I didn't even really like Ramona that much. I read them, I think, because my mom just bought them for me. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you're a kid at that age, they're like, here, read these Ramona books. That's what you're supposed to like, right? But I always thought Ramona was horribly annoying. See, I can't, I can't remember if I, I, I probably, I she was awful. I probably would, if she was a disobedient child, yes. then I would have had, okay, She was yeah. one of those kids that was no. like always getting dirty and getting into trouble, or at yeah. least that's how I remember it. Maybe I'm 100% wrong, but I remember her being just kind of like obnoxious. Yeah, I probably and wouldn't have liked it. I didn't it. like those books, and I don't think I would have liked this one. Okay. I still love this one. I could see it for what but it is now. I love mice. Yeah. See, I wasn't really into mice or hamsters either because oh. I had a traumatic experience with a hamster. Oh, I'm so sorry. Do you want to do you want to talk about it? I mean, it's pretty much just that we got two hamsters from a pet store. They were supposed to both be male, but they weren't. So they had babies, <laughs> and then the mom ate all the babies. <gasps> oh my gosh! Yes, and I was young and traumatized, and I was like, from then on, I was like, hamsters are disgusting. And I want nothing to do with them. Oh, my gosh. And so mouse were, mice were in that same category. Same category. Yeah. Oh, disgusting see. rodents that are <laughs> disgusting and eat their young. <laughs> no. For me, hamsters were totally different from mice. Mice were wonderful. Well, I had a good experience. I got a wonderful mouse. She was named after one of my favorite baseball players. Not that I was really into baseball, but. I was like, what? Baseball? I know. I know. Her <laughs> name was Sid. It's short for Sidaratarangaring. <laughs> Sidaratarangaring. That is not any of my passwords, I promise. Sidaratarangaring. Sidaratarangaring. That's going to be my password. (laughs) But she was the sweetest mouse and had no problem sitting in my pocket. She never bit me. She was wonderful. And I actually trained her how to get out of her uh, cage. I had a little travel cage, and I thought it would be a great idea to train her how to get out of it. So then she left. Well, uh, she was in my mom's van for a little bit. Not long, and it wasn't hot outside or anything. But when I came back, she was gone. Of course. We searched that whole van, and we finally found her. She had found this little hole underneath the steering wheel, and somehow a piece of popcorn had gotten in there, and she fit her little body in there and was eating the popcorn. It was adorable. That was kind of cute. But um, I can't remember how she died. But they have short lifespans. So so wait, after, hang on. Yeah. After you got her back. She was fine. She never tried to get out again? No. I think I... You must have done something to keep her. I may have gotten her... Maybe I just never put her in that travel cage anymore. Hmm. But I had two mice after her. We did get one mouse, and we thought it had a tumor. It Hmm. wasn't a tumor. It was a boy mouse. Oh. (laughs) And I was just used to girl mice. So I was like, no, no, no. I can't handle this. Can't handle a mouse penis. (laughs) It was, it was just, anyway, the bulge. <laughs> the bulge disturbed you. <laughs> the bulge disturbed me. So, oh, my goodness. Uh, the other two mice that I had after her were just not the same. And yeah. Kind of after the third one, I gave up on it. But um, like I said, I, I still love mice. I still love the story. Um, it was charming to me. It still holds up. Definitely charming. It's a great kid's book. It is. And I think reading it as a parent seeing that kind of interaction with aunt jill and garf i don't know if people were doing that in the 70s maybe they were because you know hippie kind of time and people were trying to be more attuned to children and what they needed but you know reading that as a kid i don't remember aunt jill at all or even that interaction but i, mean, I loved she wasn't reading really it. a major character no she wasn't but it was it was wonderful to see that yeah, in the kids that book she was that a there's, really good that there is an adult figure. yeah yeah who who cares and pays attention and listens and doesn't just treat their... I feel like a lot of kids' books either don't talk about the adults, like they're absent, or they're like mean and don't understand. Right. Whereas Aunt Jill did understand. She did understand. She did. 
I feel like that's kind of rare, but it is. I don't read very many kids' books anymore, so no, I don't know. I think it is. I don't know. So what do you feel like the moral of the story is? Cats are evil? Yes. <laughs> and girls are annoying and squealy. Um, Listen to your mother? Honestly, I, I'm not sure that I know because at first I felt like it was going to be like, it's important to show your independence, but then they, they it kind of ends like nothing good comes of trying to show your independence. <laughs> It all leads to death and yeah, destruction. <laughs> because literally, what good did he do? I think all it did was it provided some a different perspective and made him realize... Things aren't so bad back home. So yeah. really, the moral is appreciate what you have. Yes. it's The grass is always, not always greener. Right. There we go. There's <laughs> our moral lesson yeah, for the day. Maybe your cousins aren't that annoying. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should let them ride on your motorcycle. Yep. Don't be so selfish, Ralph. <laughs> The end. The end. <laughs> it was a growing up story of a mouse. Yes. The next one. What do we have next week? What did you pick? Right. So I decided we've been reading a lot of like fun, fanciful tales. I wanted something dark. <laughs> so I picked a Christopher Pike book. And I've read so many Christopher Pike books. I had a hard time deciding which one I wanted. This one is one that I've told myself was my favorite. I don't know if it actually is. I just, when people ask me what my favorite Christopher Pike book is, this is the one I always think about. Okay. And it's called Remember Me. And I will read the synopsis so you can get excited. Yay! When Sherry Cooper awoke at home after being at her girlfriend's birthday party, her family acted like she wasn't there. They didn't hear a thing she said. They wouldn't even look at her. Then the call came from the hospital. Her father and brother paled. Her mother started to cry. Sherry didn't know what was wrong, not until she followed them to the hospital. There she found herself lying on a cold slab in the morgue. The police said it was a suicide, but Sherry knew she had been murdered. Mm. Making a vow to herself to find her killer, Sherry embarks on the strangest of all criminal investigations, one in which she spies on her old friends and even enters their dreams, where she comes face to face with a nightmare from beyond the grave. Okay, so I haven't even read any synopsis. Oh, you didn't know what it was about? No. Wow. How do you feel now? I'm intrigued. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, so it's kind of like a murder mystery. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it, it's a pretty fun one, I think. And there's some supernatural elements to it, too, obviously. Yeah. But uh, it's mostly a murder mystery. I'm just going to, without trying to ruin anything, I'm just going to tell you the ending is bonkers. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But we're not going to get to that for a couple episodes because this is a <sighs> long one, so we're going to split it in two. Yeah. So for the next episode, we're going to do the first half. Yeah. And then do the second half. So I want those of you that have not read it to um, try to guess who the killer is. Oh, Because I'm going to make Emma guess. Oh, I'm so bad at these things. And it's, I mean, but I want to know your thoughts. Okay. We're definitely yeah, going to yeah, talk yeah. about it because that's the best part about murder mysteries is trying to guess. And they go through such detail in this. Like, do you read a lot of murder mysteries or have you ever? I read one as part of a high school um, assignment. I just, I would never gravitate towards them. So. The thing I like about the most is you can always tell when they're writing that they give you so many details and your, your brain is like, which one of these are, <laughs> should I be paying attention to this? Like when they describe like the layout of a room, they describe it in such detail that you're like, this is going to be important later. Yes. And they describe like exactly where people are at certain moments. So you're like, oh my God, I have to write all this down so I can figure <laughs> out who could have done it. You know, so it's that, that's part of the joy of reading murder mysteries and this one does a lot of that and it's okay. good oh i'm so excited so that'll be next time yes. thank you for joining us thank you for joining us i do want to make a i want to i think i mentioned it but i want to say it again because i was told that we didn't make it clear that we have an instagram and we have a website where we post the book covers yes and other just like tidbits uh sometimes i post like trivia that i find after the fact uh both of them are growing up bookish so Instagram, Growing Up Bookish, and then growingupbookish.com. We post our book covers and other things. So definitely go check those out because somebody said to me that we described the book covers and she wants to see them. And oh, I was yeah. like, we've been posting them. <laughs> yeah, here so they are. So please go look at them because 
you know, these today the particular covers weren't that exciting, but you know, most of the time we talk about the covers pretty in depth. Yeah, and with this Christopher Pike book, oh yeah, I mean your cover is so different from mine. Yeah, we're gonna talk about yeah. that in depth next week. No worries. And there's a bunch of different covers for this one, but I got the original. Nice. Can't wait. All right. See you next time. Bye, guys. To learn more about us and see what we're going to read next, visit our website at growingupbookish.com.